Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Faith FM, 87.6, 8718, or 88, right across Australia. And it is time for Encounter with God. But before we go to Encounter with God, we do need to mention that the prize has been snapped up for the quiz. Congratulations to Zainab, who is a regular listener and a regular caller here on Faith FM. Well done. You got the answer right. It was Bam. Nicodemus. There you go. Prize coming your way. Get a prize. What, what a good day for Zainab. Absolutely. Awesome. What are we studying? We are studying the book of Revelation. Yes. Yes, we are. And this time, mm. Revelation chapter 10. Ooh. Did we, finish, did we finish the last one? I, I think. Yeah, we, we did. We did. We, we finished. We finished. did, right? Yeah, we were talking. Okay, so let's just, just, let's just um, uh, summarize what we were talking about with, and, and this is one of the things that, you know, you, you go through the trumpets and there's some fairly obscure language in the trumpets, probably more obscure language than you'll find anywhere else in the book of Revelation. And it does raise some question marks. It's like, really? Is that really where it's heading? Until you look at the time prophecy. Mm. And then you've got this time prophecy that begins, you know, on the 27th of July, 1299, which is the start of your five months or your 150-day prophecy. Yeah. You trace that through to the next prophecy, which goes, you know, starts when that one finishes, so it continues on at 391 days and 391 years and 15 days, which brings you to the 11th of August, 1840, which is a date that is well within, you know, the time period the Bible scholars are really focusing on time mm-hmm. prophecies and studying them through and being able to identify when they start and how they start and, you know, all of these kinds of uh, um, aspects. And so um, you, you trace them through like that and uh, you've got a whole bunch of people out there who are preaching, okay, this event will take place on this day. Mm. In the future. Yeah. Now, if you were an atheist, you'd be like, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. You might get a little bit nervous the closer that date approaches. Mm. And then when it actually happens on that day, what are you going to say? This is a prophecy that was made 2,000 years earlier. Mm. This was a prophecy that began, you know, uh, for 500 years plus earlier. Yeah. You know, it begins five, 600 years before the event. And for it to be for, what are the chances, what kind of events have to actually come together and coordinate for that prophecy to be fulfilled mm. in such a dramatic way at that time? You know, just, it's, it's just, you, you can't... What can he say to that? That's right. What can and that's why, um, you know, there was one preacher by the name of Josiah Litch who documented, and he was just in one part of the world, and this is back before, you know, information technology exists like it does now, but he personally documented over a thousand atheists who gave their lives to God mm. as a result of the fulfillment of this prophecy. Wow. And yet it's one of the most forgotten prophecies that there is in the entire book mm. of Revelation. You know, yeah. People have just, you know, not even heard of it but anyway wow. that was the time prophecy of Daniel chapter 9 150 years followed by 391 years and 15 days we didn't talk Fulfilled about to the date we didn't we didn't talk about verses 20 and 21 yeah Daniel we can talk about those yep there's not a problem with that that we can uh, we can discuss that why not have a quick have a quick read through sure go ahead have a read 
But the people who did not die in these plagues still refused to repent of their evil deeds and turn to God. They continued to worship demons and idols made of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood. Idols that can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders or their witchcraft or their sexual immorality or their thefts. Okay, so there's a number of uh, fairly, um, what would you say, full-on statements, right? Yeah, yeah. And so let's go through. Let's let's read what it says. Um, the rest of men. We've got to ask ourselves, who is the rest of men? What is the subject matter that we are dealing with here? The subject matter is uh, the close of probation on the Roman Empire. Mm. And so then we have to ask ourselves this question. Okay, um, Western Rome falls by 476. It's finally extinguished by about um, you know 591 thereabouts. The last remnants of it are gone. Eastern Rome falls by 1449 and is finally extinguished by 1453. Mm-hmm. So now you don't have a Roman Empire. So when the Bible is talking about the rest of them, well, how the rest of the Roman Empire, where does the Roman Empire exist after this? Well, there's only one place that the Roman Empire exists, and that is that the decree of Justinian still exists. Mm. So Justinian was a Roman emperor who made a, an empirical decree decreeing that the Bishop of Rome is the universal uh, bishop of the entire world and is to remain as such and is to have political power. Mm -hmm. And so that decree remains in force. And so what you now have, you you now move on to what was called the Holy Roman Empire. So you went from the Imperial Roman Empire to the Holy Roman Empire, the Holy Mm -hmm. Roman Empire, which was not very holy. In fact, it was almost the, it was definitely the opposite of holy. Um, if you study um, any of the history of that period, uh, but this is the this is the this is the new phase of the Roman Empire. Now, of course, the Holy Roman Empire still exists in the Vatican today. Mm. Uh, that's why when you go to the Vatican, there are two parts to the Vatican that are united together. You have the Holy Roman Catholic Church, and you have the Holy Roman Catholic See. Mm. And the Vatican is its own government. It is. It's not a part of Italy. Mm. It's its own country. It has its own government. It has its own currency. It has its own passports. It has its own postage stamps. It has its own army. It has its own police force, which are all, you know, et cetera, et cetera, which are all entirely separate from Italy. Mm. And as a nation, as a state, it exists there by the decree of Justinian. Yeah. And if you read down through here, the Bible says some really strong stuff that we would say, yeah, but Roman Catholics are not like that. And and you would be right because Roman Catholics are not like that. Uh, but we do need to recognize, you know, some of the atrocities of the past and the present. Yeah. Uh, which do not reflect on Roman Catholics, but they do reflect on things that, you know, God knew would take place within this institution. Mm. And so it mentions a number of things here. Um, that they not repented of. Um, Worship demons and, and idols, idols and, and silver gold. and gold and brass and stone and wood, uh, which neither hear nor see nor walk. And within Christianity, you know, the Bible says thou shalt have no carved images, mm. but if you want to find carved images, that's where you're going to find them. You're not even the Orthodox Church will use carved images. Mm. Um But the, uh, the Roman Catholic Church is just, you know, soaked in carved images. Mm. And, you know, if you talk to a Roman Catholic, well, they don't, they don't worship the image. Mm. But neither, neither does an idolater worship an image. An idolater, 
you know, you talk to somebody who, um, you know, Shinto or something like that, where there's, you know, a Buddha where there's lots of images, like, no, we don't worship the image. These images here are, are here as a reminder. Yeah. So when God said don't have images, that's the kind of images that he was actually talking about. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, if you're listening today, you've got lots of those images in your home, then um, you probably, I would encourage you to to, uh, to study and pray deeply mm. um, about what you should do there. Fully. Um, and then it goes on and it mentions murders. Mm. And, of course, Christianity has a very sordid past, a very sordid history, and we should not gloss over it. Mm. We should stand up and publicly expose it and take the heat for it where it is deserved. Um, 150 million people died during the Dark Ages as the result of Christianity, and we should hang our heads in shame as Christians and uh, maybe lay off the Muslims a little bit, who are the current ones who are uh, in the spotlight for atrocities, and recognize that you know we have a more violent history than they do. Mm. Yeah, um, and then it continues on, and it um, mentions immorality. And, of course, that's the most current and the most recent scandal. You know, in a couple of days' time, this weekend, the Vatican is calling a council together of leaders from around the world, church leaders mm. from around the world, to discuss strategies to deal with the rampant immorality and particularly child abuse that is taking place within the church. And you have to ask yourself the question, okay, what makes the Catholic Church so much different here than every other church? And really, what it comes down to and the things that um, you know, Pope Francis needs to address, the two big things is the confessional mm. and celibacy of the priesthood. Mm. Those are the two big driving factors that the Catholic Church is yet to address. They have addressed all of the other issues um, in relationship to child abuse, particularly here in Australia. But until they address those two issues, they are not going to solve this problem. Mm. And it's going to be impossible for them to solve the problem. Um, and, and it's going to be an institution that sadly is going to attract abusers. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, there's some fairly heavy verses right here that yeah. um, it's like, wow, you know, God knew what was going to happen. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. And he foresaw it all those many years ago. Yeah, it's just it's just pinpoint, isn't it? It's just it is. so accurate. It is. And it also points out that, you know, God doesn't hold back. God, we are so much more politically correct than what God is. Mm. Uh, we are so much more af- afraid of, uh, of offending people and not calling a spade a spade. But we need to be prepared to call a spade a spade, regardless of what church it is, including mm. our own church. Yeah, we need fully. to recognize our own church's weaknesses and failings. And, you know, the, 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 uh, the Bible might, you know, God might have some really tough things to say about, um, you know, Roman Catholicism in these verses here. But turn a couple of pages and you've got a whole chapter dealing with, you know, evangelical Christianity mm. and the problems with evangelical Christianity. Um, and so, yeah, God doesn't hold back. He, he speaks to the Muslims in chapter 9. He speaks to the Roman Catholics. And then a few pages over, he speaks to the evangelicals. Mm. Um, you know, God just, God just gets out there and says, this is how it is. You guys need to wake up. You need to get your act together. Mm. And our responsibility as individuals today, regardless of the spiritual background that we come from, is to be students of the Word and to be faithful to God in every aspect of our lives, re, you know, regardless of what uh, t- 
terrible examples may being may be being set around us. Something that's really interesting about that is is having that faith in God and living a godly life is, is not shifting personal responsibility. It's a very pagan idea that everything is just the will of the gods and if something good happens, it, it happens. Something bad happens, it happens. And, and that's God's will. It's ultimately like, you know, I, I think that's that's an excuse that a lot of Christians might use. use to, yeah, fate and, oh, maybe this is just how it's supposed to happen and, and whatnot. And, and that, you know, comes from a few different places, um, Calvinism and predetermination being one of them. And, yeah. and But it's ultimately just a lack of taking personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. Like the Bible says that all men have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All men are in a place where, like, we lack self-control or n- not just men, but humanity. We, we lack self-control and we lack um we lack moral purity and we need to step our game up like the bible isn't just being you know oh it's just the fate you know get over it like for sure for every one of those verses there's a he'll never leave you nor forsake you you know come to me all ye who are weary and heavy laden i'll give you rest like god is so loving towards us but he understands our state he understands where we're at and like you know like a father the bible says that our our parents chasten us to to how they seem good to, to what they deem good but god for our profit like god wants to to as much as we need love and comfort you know, he is a good father and he wants to discipline us and cultivate us and shape us into the best people we can possibly be, you know, which is something that's extremely, you know, that's that's really difficult to do. We're, we're a bunch of sinful people living in a sinful world trying to be sinless. This is like, it's like a square circle, a dry ocean. This is just something that's impossible, but it's, you know, God understands the world we're living in. Mm. He understands the value of, of moral responsibility and it's, you know, it's so sad to see the people who claim to represent God just being the worst, <laughs> taking yep. the least moral yep. responsibility, and, yep. and and it's 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 rough, but it's it's awesome at the same time that 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 God predicted this in the Bible. You know, he, not predicted, but He it knew, is. and then he gives us advice on how to how to get through that. You know, he, mm. he tells us he he tells us how to live, and he sets us free from sin i think people often get confused with that being a slave to sin and being a slave to righteousness like it's just something that's out of your control no like being a slave to sin is being in a place where you choose sin and being a slave to righteousness is being in a place where you choose righteousness it's not about one forcing you and the other one not forcing you it's about you know God, you know, through enlightening you to Jesus and and his plan of salvation and and the work of the Holy Spirit and the things that he can do through you, he then gives you a choice. He says, do you just want to live in sin for the rest of your life or do you want to choose against that? And through making you less ignorant, through giving you more knowledge about him and learning more about him and his love for you, you go, you know, and and this really ties back into into creation, you know, knowing that you're a created being created for a purpose, you know, um, to do good works as preordained from the foundation of the world, as Ephesians says, like, that means that God has given you the ability to intelligibly choose because you know that you're made for a purpose, to do good works. And so you go, I want to do good works. Therefore, you're no longer a slave to sin, but you're a slave to righteousness because you choose it. And it's like, man, if more Christians could just apply that. And I'm not saying it's the easiest thing ever. Like, I'm, nope. it is super <laughs> difficult. Dying to self is the uh, greatest <laughs> battle that will ever be fought, but it's the one thing that... 
it's the gift of God, you know? It's like the thing that more than anywhere else, God gives us this gift of having self-control and dying to self and being our own person. And, and it's just it's just the best. Like, God is so good. He is indeed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we need to move on with our study and we're yes, going to go we to do. Revelation yes, chapter 10 yes, because Revelation do. chapter 10 is a truly awesome chapter. Yes, it is. Okay, now remember when we were studying the seven seals, how we worked our way through the first six seals and mm-hmm. then there was a parenthetical chapter. Yes. A chapter in parentheses, a prophecy yes. in parentheses, mm-hmm. where the Bible stops, takes a breath, and explains some background information dealing with those current events. And mm-hmm. so, um, of course, Revelation chapter 6, the sixth seal ends with the question, who will be able to stand? Yeah. Then the Bible backtracks and talks about those who do stand. So it takes a step back. It takes you back you know, to the period before the events, mm. um, the final events of the sixth seal. And it tells you about those who will be able to stand. Mm. The Bible does exactly the same thing here, right in the middle of the seven trumpets, and is going to deal with two major issues Mm -hmm. that are going to have a massive impact on our world, dealing with this period, um, end of the sixth trumpet, you know, uh, beginning of the seventh trumpet. Mm Mm-hmm. So the first of these, of course, begins in Revelation chapter 10, and the second begins in Revelation chapter 11, and then we come back to finish off the seventh trumpet and find out what the seventh trumpet is all about. Okay, so the Bible says in chapter 10 and verse 1, Lawson. Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven, surrounded by a cloud with a rainbow over his head. His face shone like the sun, and his feet were like pillars of fire. And in his hand was a, was a small scroll that had been opened. He stood with his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. And he gave a great shout like a roar of a lion. And when he shouted, the seven thunders answered. When the seven thunders spoke, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying, keep secret what the seven thunders have said and do not write it down. Okay, let's stop there for a moment. Let's consider a couple of things so far. Yep. First of all, let's consider the seven thunders. So we've had the seven churches, the seven seals, now the seven trumpets. Now we have the seven thunders. What are the seven thunders all about, Lawson? Oh, well... It doesn't tell us what they're about. It doesn't tell us what they're about. On occasions, I've had people come to me very conspiratorially, and I do love a good conspiracy mm-hmm. theorist, and I'm going to get sidetracked on this in just a moment because I do need to talk about an important issue that has been in the news, but um, they'll come to me very conspiratorially like, oh, guess what? I have discovered what the seven thunders said, and immediately they say that. I am like, okay, now I know that you are a heretic, my heretic. Heretic alarm just goes, because the Bible says um, Paul was sorry, John was specifically instructed not to write down what the seven thunders said and to seal them up and to not reveal that information. This is information that was not revealed. Uh, But it does show that John was having a real experience at this particular time. Now, um, I was going to talk about this during the news section and I forgot, but it is is important. Mm Mm-hmm. And it does have to do with conspiracies. Okay, the king of conspiracy theories, uh, David Icke. Yep, yep. Okay, well known. I mean, this guy has a tinfoil hat bigger than, you know, Donald Trump's comb over. Okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> righty. He, uh, yeah, he's, he's out there. He the, the, the definitely exists in the, in, the, in the loony fringe. He's actually a, an extremely intelligent person who has discovered uh, an effective way of making a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Just got banned from coming to Australia. Oh, bam, there you go. 
Now, um, I think that is very concerning. Yeah. I don't want loonies to come to Australia. Uh-huh. But I do believe in freedom and freedom of speech. Mm-hmm. And he was banned because of uh, apparently bad character. Mm-hmm. So the Australian government considered to be him to be of bad character because of what he has to say. You know, yeah. that the Twin Towers weren't taken down by <laughs> planes and all yeah. this kind of stuff, etc., etc., etc. And there's probably a lot, a lot of things, you know, in what he has to say that I would agree with. Mm. Um, a lot of things is like, yeah, this guy is he's a loony, but um, <clears throat> that's the nature of conspiracy theories. But I don't think we should be in the business of banning people from coming to this country um, just because of what they have to say, you know, so long as they're not inciting violence. <laughs>
Welcome back to Faith FM. We're just uh, just having a grand old time in the studio. Me, me and Lyle, if you don't know, well, you probably heard this a bunch, but we're, we're going to Ethiopia soon. We're going to have a really, really great time over there. And um, we're, just, we're just stoked, aren't we, Lyle? We are. We're just... Yeah, it's just just the best. Like. And we're just trying to find out where Lawson's going. And, Lawson, <laughs> yeah. and, and we just looked up the location on the map, and it just puts in the middle of the desert. So yep. Lawson's going to be preaching be to three lizards and one snake. And the sand. And the sand. And the sand. I love it. Yes. It's going to be good. It's going to be awesome. I, I, I'm, I'm keen, though. Like, if we can convert the sand, then we can convert the beach. If we can convert the beach, then we can convert the water. That's like the I, I don't know what I just said Well we could add you like just, you, Lawson you're raving I, I'm actually You're actually I'm actually raving. losing it You're actually <laughs> losing it Alright well, uh, Yes What are we, we, we Continuing we are in, we our are, studies We're in Revelation chapter Revelation 10 Revelation so chapter 10 let's continue our study In Revelation chapter So basically what we've got so far Is a mighty angel Um <clears throat> He has one foot on the ocean and one foot on the sea. Mm-hmm. So this indicating a, uh, a a global message. Yes. Um, he makes a proclamation that, um, and we're going to read that in just a moment. But if you read the description here, he has a rainbow around his head. His face was like the sun and his feet were like pillars of fire. Who is that in the book of Revelation? Jesus. That's Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, some people object to Jesus being called an angel. So let me remind you all that there are a multitude of verses in the Bible where Jesus is defined, is called an angel. That does not mean that Jesus is a created being. Mm. The word angel means messenger. It means that Jesus is a messenger. It mm-hmm. does not mean that he's a created being. Jesus is the eternal self-existent ruler and creator. Um, that's a very black and white statement, and so that includes just everything. Exists, yeah, His existing. existence is equal to the Father, and he is separate from the Father for eternity into eternity past. But yes, Jesus is a messenger, and when the Bible speaks about the angel... Mm-hmm. who is the Redeemer, mm-hmm. that's Jesus. When the Bible speaks about the angel, mm-hmm. who is the great I Am in Exodus chapter 3, yep. that is Jesus. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're very, very clear that we are dealing here with um, Jesus and uh, a message that is going to go out to the whole world. Um, we came up to the seven thunders, and we need to note that this angel is holding a little book in his right hand, a little open book. Mm-hmm. So we need to find out about this little open book, find out what it is. We need to get some identifying characteristics. Let's keep reading. Uh, would you like to read for us verse 5 and 6, please? Yes. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 10 and verse 5 and 6, Then I saw the angel... Then the angel I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand toward heaven. He swore an oath in in the name of the one who lives forever and ever, who created the heavens and everything in them, the earth and everything in it, and the sea and everything in it. He said, there will be no more delay. Okay, no more delay. Mine says time no longer, mm. which is actually a more accurate translation of the original language. So you've got more of a paraphrase. I've got more of a translation. Mm. And uh, the actual words are that there will be time no longer. Mm-hmm. So here's what we've got to note so far. He has a little book open in his right hand, and he makes this proclamation, obviously based on the authority of the words of this little book, that there will be time no longer. Mm-hmm. And so you'd expect that from this point forward, there is time no longer, right? Yeah, I hope so. You would be wrong. 
Because notice what it says in verse, and here's an interesting contrast. You've got to, pick, you've got to watch for these in the book mm-hmm. of Revelation, verse 7. In verse 7, the Bible says, When the seventh angel blows his trumpet... God's mysterious plan will be fulfilled. It will happen just as he announced it, it, it to his servants, the prophets. Okay, so mine begins with the word but. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel when he shall begin to sound. Yeah. The important thing I want you to notice here is when the proclamation goes out stating that there is time no longer, mm-hmm. the seventh angel has not yet sounded. Mm-hmm. So time still exists, right? Yeah. So clearly we're not dealing with literal time here. We are dealing with something else. We are going to come back and we are going to find out what kind of time we're dealing with and what kind of time ends in this prophecy. Mm -hmm. Because time hasn't finished. Time continues on and uh, the seventh angel comes along and sounds his trumpet. There's a whole bunch of events that take place. The mystery of God has not even finished. Mm. Do you know what the mystery of God is? What is it? The mystery of God. What is it, Lyle? The mystery of God. Let's go to the book of Ephesians and let's find out what is the mystery of God. Let me see if I can find this verse. It's here somewhere. Uh, Verse 19. Which chapter? Of Ephesians, the chapter of Ephesians. uh, Chapter 6. Chapter 6 and verse 19, the Bible says, Pray for me that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Mm -hmm. The mystery of the gospel is the mystery of God. You see, we can tell that when the Holy Spirit comes into a person's life, that person's life is changed, Mm -hmm. dramatically changed. But can we explain how that takes place? Is there a scientific method uh, by which we can, you know, test it, put it in a test tube, you know, examine it Mm. and, um, you know, repeat it and come to a conclusion of, uh, uh, of, of how it takes place? There is no explanation as to how it takes place. We can observe it happening and that is all. Mm. It's a mystery how God is able to change people's lives so that things that they once used to... Once they used to hate, they now love, and things that they used to love, they now hate. Mm. Wow. So, yeah, this is something that we need to uh, experience in all of our lives. But if the mystery of God is not yet finished, then clearly the work of the gospel has not yet finished. So clearly wow. time is continuing on. Mm. Okay, so uh, let's, go to, <laughs> let's go back to Revelation chapter 10, and let's keep reading where we left off. There is more that we can learn yet. We're going to get a bit of a summary of uh, different uh, identifying characteristics as we work our way through Revelation chapter 10 to find out what this amazing prophecy is truly all about. So if we go Revelation chapter 10, and uh, if you can read for us verse 8 to the end of the chapter. Yes. Then the voice from heaven spoke to me again, Go and take the open scroll from the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and told him to give me the small scroll. Yes, take it and eat it, he said. It will be sweet as honey in your mouth, but will turn sour in your stomach. So I took the small scroll from the hand of the angel and I ate it. It was sweet in my mouth, but when I swallowed it, it turned sour in my stomach. Then I was told, you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, languages, and 
Kings. This is such a cryptic prophecy yeah. right here. Yeah. Okay, the first thing that we need to identify is that this little book, this little scroll is, the one that's open, is the Word of God. Mm-hmm. How do we know it's the Word of God? Because uh, the angel is holding it. The angel is holding it. He makes a proclamation about the end of time based on the words of it. Mm. Uh, but most importantly, the reason we know it is the word of God is because it is an edible book. Yes. Okay, so um, you can't just take any old book and eat it, but if you go over to the Gospel of John, you will find, uh, you know, I think it's John chapter 6 here, um, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say unto you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. And then he explains it. The spirit quickens, uh, sorry, the, the flesh doesn't profit anything. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. The word of God is what we eat. Amazing. Among the shadows, you wiped my tears away, and I felt the pain of heartbreak, and I've seen the brighter days, and I've prayed prayers to heaven from my lowest place, and I have held your blessings, God, you give and take away. No matter what I have, your grace is enough. Set me there in the valley. I will lift my. 
exciting news. You heard it first right here on Faith FM. Pastor Blake, what is happening in Raymond Terrace? Well, our church is having the grand opening of our brand new facility. Awesome. When is it? 9th of March, 2019, and it starts with breakfast at 9 a.m., and there's going to be waffles, and everyone's invited. Whereabouts? 45 William Street, Raymond Terrace, which is just beside Raymond Terrace Marketplace. Be there. Listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.
right, guys, that was I Am They with King of Love here on Faith FM. And we have come to question of the daytime with the most interesting question that we've got right here. Yes. Okay, Lyle. Yes. What does Lord of Hosts mean? Okay, so this is a, this is a phrase that you'll find used pretty much from one end of the Bible to the other. You know, the Bible will talk about God as being the Lord of hosts. You know, what does that mean? Does that mean he's the God of, you know, Jimmy Fallon and Jay Leno and <laughs> Steve Colbert and Graham Norton and uh, others out there? I, I, I think not. This is not what the Bible is talking about. The word host actually has a whole bunch of uh, different meanings in today's language, but we're going to look at the more... Um, older or medieval use of the word because that is where you'll find it you know predominantly used in the King James version and so forth is that the Bible talks about you know this 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 phrase the Lord of hosts so um, host one of the definitions for host is a noun as a noun it can mean a large group a large number and so in the Bible you're going to find uh, a number of different uh, passages and if we've got time we'll look at some of those where the Bible describes the angels of heaven There are a large number of the angels of heaven. A great verse for that one is uh, Psalms 148 and verse 2. And that Jesus is the Lord of all of those angels in heaven. That large number of angels is called the host of heaven. So it's not talking about one person who is hosting a show in heaven. No, 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 not at all. It's talking about a large number of angels called the host. It's a little bit like probably one of the only places that you'll find that word being used is in very descriptive uh, creative writing today where we might say that, you know, a person was, you know, something happened and a host of memories flooded his mind. Um, you know, you might find that used occasionally in modern language, but mostly we use host to describe a different uh, scenario today. But a host, a large number, is a host of heaven, large number of heaven. Uh, the Bible also speaks about the starry host. Are there a large number of stars in the sky? Yes, there are. And uh, there are a number of places where the Bible describes Jesus and it describes God as being the Lord of creation, the Lord of the sun, moon and stars, the Lord of all the host of heaven, as in the starry heaven. So that's another way that God is the Lord of hosts. Another thing you'll often find in the Bible is that the host, and this is uh, a more archaic definition, You'll find the word host refers to an army or a military force. The reason being is an army is a large group of military personnel. And so you'll find that, for instance, Joab, who was David's general, is described in the Bible repeatedly as the captain of the host. Now, in modern English, we would say the captain of the army. But the host um, in older English can refer to the army as well. And then, of course, um, the you know, by extension, the Bible often refers to the host of Israel, the host of God's people. And so Jesus is Lord of hosts in three ways. He is Lord of the host of the angels the large number of angels. He is Lord of the starry host, the large number of stars. He is Lord of uh, the host of his people. In other words, the large number of people who are here on this earth. So that's what the Bible means means when the Bible says Lord of hosts. No, it's not talking about uh, evening show host or breakfast show host, although Lawson, I would hope that he is our Lord today. Wouldn't you? Yeah. 
Absolutely. Okay, so let's look at some of these uh, passages. Uh, we've got a little bit of time there on the clock. And while I'm turning there, I do want to remind you to give us a call, 1-800-324-843, and send in your question for the day. It's always good to be able to find a Bible definition for the things that we're talking about. So we'll start off in Psalms. And let me go here to Psalms 148. Psalms 148 and verse 2, where the Bible simply says, Praise Him, praise Him all His angels, praise Him all His hosts. Hosts, plural. So companies of angels, plural. Large numbers of angels, plural. If we go over to, ooh, let me see if I can find this one before the clock runs out. I probably can't because I'm just not that quick at getting through my Bible. So, Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 19. Are we getting there? Yeah, we're getting there. 4 verse 19, And lest you lift up your eyes unto heaven, and when you see the sun, the moon, and the stars, even all the host of heaven. So here you find a description of the sun, moon, and stars as being the host of heaven. We managed to squeeze that last verse in. This is Audrey Asad with Holy, 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 the host of heaven.
You were listening to Audrey Sad with Holy 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 here on Faith FM. We are about to give something away and this evening, this morning, this morning. Whenever, whenever it is, <laughs> when, when is it, Lawson? Is the sun up or down or am I up or well, down? Wow, you, you're having a stroke. <laughs> like, can you get your head in the game, please? See, it's Lawson's fault. Oh, okay. It's always Lawson's fault. I don't know why, but... It's, yeah, it's classic radio. <laughs> it's always the apprentice's fault. I just right? get blamed for everything. Absolutely. Like, so, well, why else would we have Lawson here? Anyway, okay. Today's free <laughs> giveaway is <laughs> is by Stephen Bohr. Uh, Prophecies, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde is the book. So Stephen Bohr, very popular uh, um, speaker on prophecy. Um, he has a tremendous amount of uh, material that is available um, uh, that goes out over lots of different TV stations around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yes, Stephen Bohr, uh, Prophecies, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. Probably no topic has caused more fiery debate among evangelical churches and atheistic skeptics in recent years than the relationship between church and state. We've mm. had a lot to say about that in recent times, and that is an issue that is going to be central to the uh, federal election that we're going to face here in Australia in very, um, in, in very, very soon. Mm-hmm. And so we need to uh, we need to be able to understand what the whole concept of separation of church and state is all about. Why it was instituted, why it is there, how it works. Of course, this guy is coming from an American perspective, but the American model has been successful uh, to probably one of the better extents. Um, around the world, one of the better models to look at. Not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but um, definitely something worth considering, and uh, particularly considering it from a biblical perspective, which is what this book is all about. Mm. So give us a call. Be the first caller through. 1-800-324-843 is the number, or text us on 0491 064 669. 